Good and Evil. We're your hosts. I'm Mike. That's Chris. What's up? Hey, yo. What we getting into today? Man, you already know what it is. It's Beyond Hood and Evil. And for today, for the evil of it, it seems that niggas have finally been <laughs> niggered. And as y'all know, we don't really talk like that. I don't really talk like that even in real life whole time. But in this instance, I thought it was a word that I needed to use to show the potency of the situation, the, 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 the disparaging nature of the situation. Mike sent me two articles this week, you know, because I, you know, I live on a rock. If it ain't anime at 2K or, you know, drawing a manga, I'm not super into it. If it's, you know what I mean? I'm just being honest. So <laughs> he sent me an article, man. They were sending bomb, bomb threats in the HBCUs. And I was like, what? <laughs> Like the first mm-hmm. thing I thought was like, wow, man, they really don't have the loans to give out. The kids are resorting to drastic measures to get school canceled so that they can get their loans together so they can actually pay for school. <laughs> like there's actually a student calling in the bomb that's like, man, I got to get more time. They don't want to lift the stop. I know what I'll do. I'll close the administration. Didn't register when things are closed. Like, I because, you know, I, I ain't going to lie, man, I've been there. You know, I've been there. Like, I'm going to do something wild to get this stop lifted off my account. But only the real know, you know, what a stop is on your account. And then the other article he sent me was they're trying to um, censor Black and other voices by removing certain literary texts that really highlight the experience of colored, other, and Black, non-Indigenous peoples. I want you all to notice that I tried to hit all the targets I could. I think I I said other, and other I use for queer and non-binary and all those because it's it's such a litany of alphabets that I don't understand Mm. and don't care to say, but I just want to say you are heard (laughs) and you are recognized. so those that's where we at at it. It's just evil today. I don't think there's any beyond that, but um, I just think it's evil today, man. So yeah. And hood rat shit. Uh Chris, <laughs> the alphabets. <laughs> it's like the backhanded compliments you give, right? It's the hey, I do want to honor you, but I'm gonna smack you in the face by saying I don't really care to say all that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean <laughs> I, I, and I'm I'm doing that in the most progressive way I can. Like it's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot, bro. Like I remember when I was little, it was I remember the I remember the first time I went to a LGBT event when I was like, I had to be eight or no, I had to be like a 10 or 11. And this mm-hmm. is what my program I was in. We had a, a counselor in the program. We had known her for a long time. And this is back before people were non-binary, but we had known her mm-hmm. for a long time. So I'm saying her intentionally. It's not because I don't know what she would identify as today. But back then she was a her. She she was always a little bit odd to us when we were growing up. Cause we, you know, I was in the program since I was about eight or nine years old. So mm-hmm. 10 or 11, I know that seemed like a short time, but that's a long time a little kid is to know like an adult that's Absolutely. not a parent or a teacher. Like, so this mm-hmm. person, she, you know, I'm not gonna say her name, but she, she had been a part of my life for a solid couple, couple years, man. And we always just thought she was strange, just strange. And we never seen her talking about, you know, dating or being, you know, the prototypical things you hear women talking about inside conversations when they're in college. And as mm-hmm. kids, you know, you, you they don't really recognize you're there, but you're there and you listen. And so you hear stories. And she, would, she wouldn't really talk that way. No one really talked that way in a, in a program, if I'm being honest. They had a very good, like, limiter on there, a good governor and what they wouldn't want to say in front of us as the youth. But when we, we all reconnected with her because she left the program because her identity had, was in flux and she had made a major change in her life. And the next thing she was doing, she was with Smile, 
which mm. was which was a lesbian organization. I forget the exact what the acronym ex- meant exactly, but it was a it was cool. Like I thought that was a cool acronym because you know I always been in the words. So I was like, smile, oh, that's tight. And then it was like mm-hmm. some 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 lesbian education. I was like, yo, this is against God, you know, because I'm, I'm <laughs> you know. And um, we I'm just like taking it back because it's just the most gay people I've ever been around in my life. And they, but they were very like welcoming and transparent. Like, yes, we are this, we do this, and it's very solid. It's very regimented. There's no, mm-hmm. not a lot of movement, you know. And that was back then. But if, with all things, things change and progress and become more complex. So, you know, I say that alphabet thing just to say, yeah, man, it's it's a lot of stuff you got to know now, man. And if you don't, it's kind of quiet for you. I appreciate that, Chris. The to the book banning and to the bomb threats. <laughs> I know you kicked it off. And you use the word that we that we typically stay away from. And I, it's, it's in my lexicon. If you know me in my day-to-day life, I use nigga all the time. <laughs> it, is, it is a very empowering word for me. And like we've always talked about, we give words meaning, right? Just like we give any noun, like meaning. We give place meaning, like a house isn't, a, you know, isn't a home until X, Y, Z. It's like it's, it's still just a physical space. That's mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. all it'll ever be. Everything you attribute to it is you. Right. Same like place, things, people, all of that. We, we give those things meaning. Um, and I know this one has significant strings attached to it. Right. And there's been different quote unquote owners of the word as we go, like the origination of it, the re-empowerment of it, et cetera. But we use it intentionally here because it's a part of our previous discussions, Chris, where we've talked about that last wave of whiteness before change come. Mm. You can see it. The world has started to get on board. Yeah. I want to say it's because our integrity is starting to, you know, attach at the strips in which we've separated it. I, I feel like we haven't been a high integrity society in a, probably ever, but I'll just say in a long time. Mm. I feel like those tethers are starting to come back together. But the reality is, it's really about capital. It's good business to be inclusive. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really good business. Economically, it makes so much sense to be inclusive, right? Because you're talking about the most marginalized communities are the ones that have the most spending power or not have the most, are willing to spend their money. Mm-hmm. They're willing to spend their money on things in this really materialistic, capitalistic society. But I would also say marginalized groups are much more tethered together, mm-hmm. right? We find ourselves in our communities that we want to support people within our community. So we put money into our community. So if you have all these subgroups and are not giving to the predominant group, <laughs> white folks mm-hmm. and their businesses and their communities, et cetera, you want to figure out how do you tap into that? I couldn't help but think of Dear White People when I saw that article around the HBCU bomb threats um, and even like the book banning. Have you watched the seat volume four of Dear White People, Chris? No. Did, did you ever watch the- No. Did, and, and that's okay. That's no, okay. That's no. okay. You know me. <laughs> the, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because in, in volume four, for those of you who are maybe catching up or haven't watched it, you know, I'm not going to give away too much, um, but there, but season four is really relatable to both of these topics. And there is a point where there's a statement made around the use of guns, especially the use of guns on private properties like schools and when is it okay to use a gun? And who is okay? Like, who is it okay for to, to, to use a gun? And there's a point in this season where there's a good guy with a gun and a bad guy with a gun. And the main difference in who we value in that situation is not the good guy with the gun or the bad guy with the gun, but the black guy with the gun and the white guy with the gun. We treat them very differently. 
So I say that to say, Chris, in this very vague way I'm teeing that up is that this race issue <laughs> that we've been talking about over time that, you know, some people may roll their eyes about and not think is a real thing. Um, it is very real. A bomb threats, like you have to acknowledge them. Because just imagine if there was a bomb threat and you didn't shut the school down <laughs> and, and you didn't actually take the precautions and something actually happened. Mm. Bruh, the, the, the outcry, the outfall of that would be kind of wild. So you have to react to it. You have to respond to it. And on the other side with the book bandit, we'll, we'll jump on to both of them separately. The, it's not even about the critical race theory at this point. That's just a word that's been, or a phrase that's been hijacked, right? It's really about, I think, white people being afraid of their kids having to carry the burden of their adult mistakes and the historical mistakes that they made. It's going to be really difficult for a kid to understand like my mommy, my daddy, or I am a part, if not directly, I am a part of a group in society that really marginalizes others. Yeah. And I am a part of the group in the tribe. That is the reason why this world is in the turmoil that it is today. Having that on your mind as a six year old, <laughs> <laughs> I can't really handle that as a 31-year-old. So as a six-year-old, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of weight. I'm not saying that that is justifiable. I'm not saying that that is right. I understand a little bit if that's where someone was coming from, but that's not where they're coming from. It's just racist shit. And the issue is that they're painting these books as racist propaganda. <laughs> mm. And it's not. It's stories told by folks who you've oppressed and marginalized. And now you're continuing to do that over and over to protect yourselves and to protect your children. Come on, Mike, what do you have to say? Come on, Mike, man. You know, you know me, man. So the way you phrasing that is pulling out my devil's advocate. Ah. Like, it's pulling that. It's pulling at it so hard because I know this issue is is kind of going to be. Wow, I mean, it's, it's not really being talked about in the major media, which is already telling as to where people stand on this issue because it's not newsworthy. It was on mm -hmm. an article you sent me on Newsweek, right, or something mm -hmm. like that. It's, it's called the Week. Yeah, so it's not even Newsweek. It's, it's the Week. Like it's like you know, it's like you got frosted <laughs> flakes and you got frosted cornflakes. Those are two different things. They sound like, but they're very similar. You know what I mean? They sound alike, but they're very different. So it, I say all that to say, like, yo, it's six in one hand and half a dozen in the other. It's the same thing, but they're very different. So like, and mm. once and once I to focus on the book burning thing, I mean the book banning thing, I get what it is. <laughs> it's it's white people trying to protect whiteness because a lot of these books paint it so that you come up with a guilt about yourself. I believe that the faculty and staff and the administration of that school district are trying to spare the kids the shame and the guilt of learning about the transgressions of their past. You know what I mean? And in that, they don't recognize that they're dooming the kids to repeat those failures in the future. So it's like the reason why these stories need to be told is because you know, people need to know this happened so we don't do it again. Even mm -hmm. though history is cyclical and inevitably it will happen again at some point in some time. And I also understand the outrage from black folks like, yo, y'all y'all not really banning out books, but y'all are censoring them. Like even a site where the, the books are listed. It's like it's a hit list of knowledge. Like, yo, it's, 70, <laughs> it's 75 books we need to get out of all schools because it's leftist propaganda and it's teaching women to, to value their bias and be open to their sexuality. It's teaching mm -hmm. men that it's okay to be fluid in their gender and the way that they describe their love and their affections and their predilections for other people. It's, it's telling stories of um, migrant workers and how 
the um, Western civilization kind of destroy their whole culture and their history. And it's like these things can't be upheld because in a way it's going to get rid of our conservative Puritan principles. I get it because some people that's a that's a culture, too. As much as people like to say there is no such thing as white culture. That is a culture. Puritanism is white culture. That's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Pilgrims being conservative as much and even liberalism in a lot of ways is white culture, because when you look at more indigenous cultures, most indigenous cultures are conservative. (laughs) Most, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a generic, it's a very rigid structure on gender, a very rigid structure on family, a very rigid structure on how things are done, how you do things, how you converse, how you buy things. It's almost, and most cultures, traditionally indigenous cultures, I would say, are patriarchal. In a sense, where they're matriarchs, the matriarchs are more of the caregivers, the patriarchs are more of the financers. And that's just the way Mm -hmm. it's always been, hunters and gatherers. And it saddens me that people aren't able to see that you need both sides of the coin to grow. Because on one side, you got people saying, man, we need you need to have these books in school so kids know. And on the other side, they say, nah, you don't need the books in school. Kids don't need to know. But people are missing a pack. It's a middle in there where it's like, you need both books. You know what I'm saying? You should read Mouse, like Mouse, M-A-U-S, the book about the mice that represented the history, the like atrocities that happened in Auschwitz during the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. But you also need to recognize that if there's a mouse, there's also Mein Kampf, which is the Hitler manifesto. Like that thing exists. Mm-hmm. You, I'm not saying you should read it, but you need to know it exists. And that's why Mouse needs to exist. Like there's a checks and balance that needs to happen Be- just because there's birth of a nation. You know what I'm saying? The one, the original one that was made by the Ku Klux Klan. That's the reason why, you know, there's Birth of a Nation with Nat Turner. Like, that's the reason why those two things need to exist. The reason why that's called that is because the original one is about Ku Klux Klan and the new one, the revitalized one, is about Black people killing white people. It's the opposite. So it's like mm-hmm. there needs to be a checks and balance. And I think that's the, the nuance is what we're really missing now. People, the further and further we go into the, the alphabet politics, race, race, we're critical race theory, we're getting into, we're missing the nuance. We just always focusing on the big picture and trying to say, you, this is the problem. We need to fight this. We need to fight this. We need to fight that. And it's like, yeah, but you need to take a step back and walk it back some and see where, what's the steps you get to. Because as I always say, even at my job, Conservatives do get it done because they don't look at the big, they look at the big picture and they take mm. the baby steps, the baby steps. Why? I don't need to burn the books. I should just ban them. <laughs> out niggered. You've been out niggered. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh y'all want to, I don't need to stop y'all from voting. I just need y'all to have an ID. You've been out niggered because black people don't like to have curry IDs. It's a thing, bro. Like it's calm. It's, and it's all common sense logic. Oh, you you want to you want to buy a house? You have money now. Oh, too bad you got you got the cash. That's crazy. You need credit. You've been out nigger <laughs> again. You know what I'm saying? It's little teeny things. They just it's just little teeny thing. And we are so in the midst of trying to do what was the thing that was stopping us in the '90s, the thing that was stopping us in the '80s, the thing that was stopping us in the '70s. We mixing we missing the stuff that's stopping us today. That's going to be problematic. Like I remember when I was little, like you said. Then I'm a, I'm gonna stop. I know I gave verbose sometimes. You like you the thing you said about. It's a lot for you to recognize that you're you're uh you're a minority as a child when you're six years old. And I remember that that's one of the things I always praise my mother for. She made me and my brother self, she told us, she made us self-aware. Like it was no time for me and my brother just to be kids kind of growing up. She always told us, you're a black man, and as a black man, this will happen. You're a black man, and as a black man, this will happen. And so it's like I never had that that veil of, oh, I'm just a person. Like I, I, I had that, like, oh, I'm just a person. But my mother always come with a reality punch. Boom. <laughs> you can't do that. 
you a nigga. Like, you got to relax. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then as I got bigger and bigger and bigger, she saw I was big. She that modified. You this is this. You're a big black man. You're a large black man. You this is going to happen. You're a large black man. This is going to happen. You're a large black man. This is going to happen. And she's been. So every time I think about I think about that stuff when I'm in public because it helps me like that's a it's a buffer. So even the fact when I talk to people, I always take like three or four steps back and people don't recognize that I do that. But I do that because I tower over people. It's intimidating. So it's like I do that. And then when I point it out to people, they're like, no, you don't. Then I walk upon them. They're like, oh, wait a minute. I forgot you are tall. It's like, yeah, because I always stand away from people. I stand away from people for that reason. So, man, I'm just sick of. You know, being out niggered, man. People have been out niggered and, and the white people have caught up. You know what I'm saying? We Our tricks, our Negro tricks are no longer working. We need to update the manifesto, guys. We need to have a meeting. All the big heads, you know, all the all the, all the the scammers, all, all the all the charlatans, you know, we need to come together, have a meeting and just say, hey, man, we need some new tricks because they finally caught on. The one thing there as about the, the kids reading the books, what I was really focusing on are our white counterparts, our, our, our white youth. Right. They're going to be reading these books. They're going to be the one riddled with the with the with with the guilt because black and brown indigenous kids already walk around with that guilt. They already they already carry that. Right. And the, the privileged piece is that white youth don't have to walk around with that. Right. When you talk about equality, <laughs> like if we're all in this together, if we all played a role in getting us here, which we have. We can argue who's played the stronger hand in pushing us to where we are. You also have to think about our responses to that, which is what you're speaking to, Chris. Everyone has to carry that guilt. And I think what is not the case is that white people don't carry that guilt. Or if they do, they shed it very quickly. Or they put up the parameters just to say, well, this guilt isn't for me because I wasn't a part of it. Whereas a black person cannot shed their guilt ever. Right, because you cannot, eh, you can't change your melanin. But most of us, Vibes <laughs> Cartel, Nicki Minaj, Michael Jackson, Sammy Sosa, the list goes on, bro. People that was dark skinned that became oh, light skinned. Those of us who are not driven by personal gain, by white status and capitalism, and those of us who have integrity um, and not a ton of self hate uh, will not do that. Right. So <laughs> I'm mad I threw you that alley up on that one. 100%. But, <laughs> the, the, the point is that we all have to carry that guilt. And I think the issue with this is that white people don't want to hold up their end of the bargain and they never have. And I want that to change because, Chris, I'm going to get into it. I'm a big believer that there has to be a lot of forgiveness in order for us to move forward. We can't change that slavery happened. We can't change all the things that have happened up until this point, what we like to call our past. We, we can't change any of that right today. We can't change that over time. I want to talk you through a little equation real quick. This is a little bit I talked to you about Kamala Harris, our vice president. I said she was throwing In the name book. only. Yeah. <laughs> she was throwing the book at black and brown folks when she was the, um, what was it? District, district attorney? Yeah, district attorney. Uh, in California. She was throwing a book for about 20 to 30 years, putting black and brown folks behind bars, her, her quote unquote own people, right? Now, Chris, I said, what if she spends the next 40 years doing right by those very same people, right? Uplifting black and brown communities, investing mm-hmm. in infrastructure, equity, then to equality, sustainability. What if she pushed that route? Without disregarding our, our white peers, our white youth, our white families, what if she just turned the table? 
and pushed that for 40 years. She now has 80 years of history, 40 in which she was throwing the books at folks and 40 in which she was approaching equity and equality. Okay. Depending on when you met her or depending on when you were alive, who she is to you and what she's done, her history that we will recognize will change. That's what it means when people say you can change the past. You just have to allow for time to happen. <laughs> Chris, think about who you were for the first 30 years of your life. Oh. Uh-huh. Right. And now um, think about and now think about how you're going to spend the next 30 years. And when you're at 60, how you will reflect on 30 years through 60 year. You're going to see your life differently. You're going to be a different person. You're going to be improved. So when you're taking that 60 years in, into totality, mm-hmm. what's going to be your real history? What's going to be the focus? I get what you're saying. The president is not, is not responsible for your past. So look, your past can always be shaped. Yeah. What happens to you today can always be shaped. Your future can still be shaped. It's mm-hmm. all being shaped at the same damn time. No. What you've done in the past affects your experience today. What you do today will affect your past over time. What you do today will dictate your future. The future moves you make will dictate what your present is, which will impact your past because of perspective. No. That's what this is all about. So, Chris, <laughs> as I wrap up this point in my equation before you get into your shenanigans, when I think about our future as a society, yes, we spent the last four or 500 years dealing with bullshit, focused on superiority, supremacy, and supremacy of a particular group, not of the whole. And I just wonder what this world would look like if we were really focused on society as a whole, being as efficient and as effective and holistic as it could be. If we spent, as a collective, white, blacks, browns, all of us came together and said, we're going to coalesce and understand that we won't agree on everything. Mm. We can have our disagreements. You can believe in what you can believe. I believe in what I believe. But as long as we don't affect each other's humanly rights, right? As long as we still have access, things are equitable. We can disagree on some things, but when we talk about our tenets that guide our lifestyles and our livelihood, we are in agreement on that. I think the next 400 years, we'd be looking back like, what was this? What, what were we talking about? Because our past will have changed because of what we were doing today and changing the future. So I'm a big believer that forgiveness has to happen. We don't have to forget it but we have to forgive each other to move forward. And that's one of the things that's been on my mind is not to just say I'm okay with what white people have done to this world. It's just to say that I can't keep harping on that shit because I need this world to be different today. And if I'm so focused on what they did in the past, it won't allow me to really get to the future that I really see for myself and for all of us. Torn between how I should respond. Mm -hmm. As you should be. Because the thing is, Chris, I see multiple sides of this picture And what I am focused on, like you said, we're focused on the big picture, like we're focused on big picture as liberals or as um, Democrats, you know, conservatives or Republicans, they see the big picture, but they're taking the baby steps. Right. This is a combination Mm -hmm. of the two. You got to see big picture. You got to see the little steps. You got to see as much as you can, because the reality is life will happen. Life will happen. So you got to be able to react to it. And when life happens, the more we are in alignment with each other across races, across class, across regions, across sectors, et cetera, et cetera, the more that we can engage those emerging issues, we'll be able to engage them and get through them like a pandemic, right? Like a earth shattering earthquake, right? Like climate change that's coming. We'll be able to actually focus on those things because the isms that plague us are no longer at the forefront of our minds, they're behind us because we work on those every day together. Which isms? Racism, genderism, sexism, 
Mm. All of those. Mm, delicious. All the best <laughs> things. All the best okay, things. So I see what route you chose. You, I see you, 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 you named the best isms, man. Racism. Is there a better ism than racism? You know what I'm saying? Sexism. Is there a is there a more delicious, delicate, you know, delectable ism than sexism? You know what I'm saying? Genderism doesn't exist. Come on, man. I, I know I said that word and I was just woman's like, place. Really trying to say sexism. Woman's place. Exactly. Well, genderism. I was like, a woman's place in the kitchen. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Man's place <laughs> in a host face. What are we doing? What are we doing? Like, you know, and this is the issue that I have with it. Like, I, in my mind, there's always a war going on. There's always a conversation that's constantly being had. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, that's, I guess, in a popular culture, it would be there's a Charleston White side of me always having a conversation with the Umar Johnson side of me. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a Joe Rogan side of me always having a conversation with the Dave Chappelle side of me. And, for comic book fans out there, there's a Magneto having a conversation with a Professor Xavier. And I'm just trying to figure it out. Like in this instance, I see both sides to the point this morning I was asleep and I had a dream. I was having this dream and I and I got into a conversation. I'm I'm assuming with my subconscious, which was weird. And I was and I and I woke up at the wrong time because I was the conversation was getting good. And then I just woke up. I was like, oh, man, I need to go back to sleep. I need to go back to sleep. <laughs> and I can't really remember what the conversation about. But it was about this. It was about the hierarchy of needs in society. Like, I, I don't know, man, I'll be having some deep, deep dreams. But anyway, to answer your question, man, I think that's you missing it, man. Like people always I feel like we had this conversation before, man. I'm tired. I'm, I'm just I don't understand why black people. All people of color feel the need to ask for a space in whiteness. Mm. And I Same feel like this, this is something that I remember reading about it in um, Malcolm X's book. And I feel like that's why I always was drawn to him, even when I was little. I always liked Malcolm X over Martin Luther King. Like if you had to choose him, you know what I'm saying? Bloods and Crips, you know, MLK versus Malcolm X. I always like Malcolm X. Hey, man, and we f- fly Cripping <laughs> over here just so you know every day. What that mean? You brought you, you, you Martin Luther King? You MLKs? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you chose who was who. who was I'm just telling you, no matter who it is, just, just do every day. Hey, uh, I, everybody come at me. I want no beef. I want no smoke. Just, uh, I am a middle, upper middle class man. I have no. Uh, but I guess in that moment, in the book, he talked about it, man. You need to, black people need to build black spaces for themselves. As long as you're asking for a handout, and like from white people asking for asking for space and whiteness, black people will never have the autonomy we so desperately desire. We say we want to be free to be who we are. We want self determination. We want the ability to buy homes. We want the ability to own land. We want the ability to have our own businesses. But in in reality, we're asking for a space in whiteness. You Chris, know what I mean? How can we have shit that white people won't give us? Well, you how can we have? How can we have rights <laughs> whenever we try? So all the, when, I, when I hear this, okay, Chris, and I'm yeah. gonna keep this short because I just interjected out and I'm mad about it, <laughs> but I just did that to you. That means I got you, to you though, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how you know you got it, you got it in my heart because I, I had to say no, no, no. It's because I heard this so many times, a uh-huh. black metropol- uh, metropolis. Yeah. Uh, we need our own. Those have been established. Mm. All over the country. I'm in mm. Chicago now. A rich history of black people getting it right. Mm-hmm. A lot of them from the South in mm-hmm. places where they got it right. True. And what happened? It was taken. Mm-hmm. It was taken. 
for a variety why? of reasons that are why? not acceptable. Yeah. Why you said well, you asked me why I was taken? Yeah, why? Hey man, it's the same shit that's been happening over the white people don't want to see black people be great. Hey, that's one of that's one part of it. To yeah, me, and they, all, they, they also need us to stimulate their existing economies. That's 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 another part of it. But this I'm talking about what Malcolm X, like it's the thing that he talks about in his book a lot. Uh, and, and, and I haven't read it, Chris, so my fault. I am done with my interjection. Okay. The thing that we always miss is the unity. Black people plus together equals forever. I remember I heard that on Jay-Z's Reasonable, Out, Reasonable Doubt. And in my a little 11-year-old mind, that always stuck with me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, black people plus together equals forever. Like, that's a thing. Like, I was, so when I, even when I, to this day, like it's something I do in my regular life. You know, you know me, Mike. If I see somebody like when we was at AU, I used to see random black people on campus. I'm walking up, so hey, what's going on? You be like, you know that person? No, but they need to know that they hit that I recognize them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it. hey, I see hey, it. what's going on, black person? Like, you don't feel like you by yourself. You can always talk to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I know I'm weird, but I ain't weird like I'm trying to touch you or something. I'm not like that, man. I just <laughs> like to, I want you to feel welcome. Like that's my energy always. I want people to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. I want people to feel comfortable. And that's because I genuinely believe that when I see black, unless you were evil, evil, you know what I'm saying? You got like Mer- YMW Melly type energy. You know what I'm saying? You're a black sneaker Air Force dude. I peep that too. And I do not wave to you because I know that you are, you got murder on your mind. I don't want no parts of that energy in my life. But I say all that to say, yeah, man, it's because black people can't never stick together when something's getting built. Even black people for title, bro. Spotify, it was Spotify only. Jay-Z said, man, I heard about title. I'm going to be the brand ambassador. This is my business. It's going to be for black people. What black people do? Well, Chris, my understanding of that is that this only happened to support elite black artists, those who had already had names. So those who were underground trying to create a name for yourself hey, didn't have space I for themselves. You. And so they said, I'm not going to support a movement that's just going to support elite black artists. There we go. And that's what you just described. When there's always those cities, the people that the black people that aren't invited to the initiation of it always hate from the outside as opposed to just trying to figure out a way they could support and become inside. That's what mm. I'm saying. It even happened with the, 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 the um, Black Nation, the Nation is on with Black people. That happened with them. Malcolm X was out here on the highways and hedges, folding in people from the streets, lit by, by the thousands, people following him, ex-drug dealers, ex-killers, ex-pimps, ex-hoes, ex-hitmen, you know, anything, man. They come in and they hear him speak. They're like, man, he really identified what I got going on. But did that fit into the narrative of what the traditional nation of Islam wanted? No. You can't have this dude out here getting bigger than the platform. So we mm-hmm. got to take him down. And then ever since then, it ain't kind of been the same. And I, and I just... I think that's the common trope. Whenever black people try to do something and get big, like the, in an the article where the dude's talking about uh, people brand, um, banning the books, he's talking about how it's so hard for black people to get published, but it's rich black authors. Why don't y'all come together and just make a publishing company? Like that, and it's to me, it's and that's the thing I always like. I could, I would be, I would be dangerous if I had money. Like, I remember I used to talk to my grandma about that. I was like, man, if I had money, I'd be dangerous because all I want to do is help black people come up. That's all I want to do. Like, I love the idea of saying black people win. You know what I'm saying? Young black dudes get money. Like, that's a Dr. Dre line from the from the Chronic 2000. I love to see young black men get money. When I see a dude get like Mike, when I see you doing good, it makes me a heart warm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Appreciate man, that's you. tight. You know, like, you, you told me you was getting very, 
You know what I'm saying? I was like, that's tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm genuinely like, man, that's tight. That's my man right there. He gave Murray. Mm-hmm. He doing the right thing. Brian, I hear Brian gave Murray. That's tight. That's my man. You know what I'm saying? He the other color, but he's still my brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That make my heart warm. You know what I'm saying? Especially he got him, you know, you know what he doing over there. You know what I'm saying? You know how he giving it up. You know what I'm saying? It's fire over there. I, you know, when I heard, you know, Theon was, you know, doing through what he's doing through it first. You know, I was proud of him, man. Like, look at him trying to settle down, man. You know, not letting his 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 visage get in the way, not letting his looks mm-hmm. decide his future. So he won't be single forever. Cause he could, she made like a young boys, poor Kojo. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, man, handsome. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm having down that nigga handsome, bro. Uh, but then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when I, when I hear about Josh getting his stuff together, he teaching his stuff. It make my heart warm, man. I hear my main man, Jamal, he trying, you know, he getting sober. That, that make my heart warm. Kiego, he getting his stuff together. It make my heart warm. It make me feel good when I hear my friends doing well. You know what I'm saying? I got another homie named Anthony Cook. Yeah, he's trying to really get it off the ground. It makes my heart warm. He's trying to do something positive. When I hear dudes, like especially young black dudes coming from where we come from, doing what they got to do to get positive, it's, it makes my heart warm, man. And I just don't understand. Like when you see people like Jay-Z and stuff, and he's trying to do stuff for the community. He's trying. He talked about that. I'm going to get rich and give back. That's the win-win. People still hate. Bro, how am I supposed to give back? You want me to be broke? No, you, that's what you want. You want me to be broke. You want me to be busted and disgusted like you just so we can be brothers. No, no, bro. No, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to be rich. I'm trying to live like a super villain and I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to give away money. I'm going to do stuff for my community. And people just don't, people just missing it, man. If people want stuff, you want, build the space. You can. All the top people in that space that have asked whiteness, asked people in white for a space in whiteness that have made the space for you and you're accepted, you're elevated to that level. Now it's time for you to build the space for black people underneath you. And then once they're underneath you, you push them up so they're surrounding you. And now you're insulated. But people always miss that part. And when even with uh the dude who died, off-white man, Ablo, Virgil Ablo, I remember he get they people was killing that man for the Black Lives Matter stuff. He, they say he gave $50. What it turned out to be? 50000 They was like, what? It was like, bro, y'all was killing this man. I, I don't forget stuff like that because it lets you know the mentality of black people. You, you want to know who you, yeah. what you don't see? White people turn down other white people. Never, bro. Sandusky, still a legend. This man's a pedophile, bro. Still a legend. Tom Brady, wild as hell. Still a legend. You know what I'm saying? Uh, ben Roethlisberger. I'm using athletes like black people use athletes. Black, ben Roethlisberger, whole rapist. Still a legend and, feel, and still is, though. Elvis, child molester, bro. Still a legend. He's the white Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like, what we talk, what we doing? They don't tear down Rolling Stones. Definitely had young girls on their tour. Legends. You never hear negatives, but let a black person. I'm just going. This is just for examples. R. Kelly, bro. Mm-hmm. This man, legend. He's a legend for what he's done. He's a legend. But all you hear now is just he's a everything he's ever done is just pedophile, bro. <laughs> what about what he's done though for music though? You know what I'm saying? What about before R. Kelly? There's no Maxwell. There's there's no current iterations of Ron Isley. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just like the things that people do to to avoid the culture. Think about what happens with Basquiat. We can't let Virgil Abloh become the new Basquiat, man. Everybody putting a crown mm. on everything. The past 15 years now, Virgil Abloh died. Everybody want to put X's on all they shit, Bruh, We gotta stop this. Let people be great when they alive. <laughs> And let them build what they trying to build, man. Even and the same thing happening to Kanye West right now. And I'm I'm calling it before it happened. 
People tear, they've been tearing down Kanye West when he's been trying, he's been screaming from the top of his lungs, bro, I'm building my own thing. I'm building my own thing. I'm building my own thing. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Now he up 10 billion. And people was, and this, I remember me and you had the conversation. He crazy. It's not going to happen. I'm like, no, nah, I believe. I think he's going to work it out. He don't care what people think. He's going to work it out. This man did it. He worked it out. And he's building his own thing. This man's literally trying to save Chicago by himself. Big Sean, literally trying to save Detroit by himself and people not helping. There's no no groundswell of people trying to form around him and cover this person in unity and protection and say, yo, we're going to help you. And then when it but when it pop, they're going to say, oh, he need, he why he got all that money anyway for him to be able to do this. It's it's yeah. dumb, bro. It's dumb. So Chris, you said a lot of things, man. And I, I want to kind of I wish I could pay them all equal respect, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Um but there's there's a couple things that I do want to I do want to say. I'm a believer in if you take a seat at the table, you have to make a seat at the table. Mm. What I want, what I really want to parse out is that, and this gets to what you're saying is, at what table do you make that seat? So if you think about uh, President Obama, uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, uh, they took a seat at the proverbial table. Um, of of elite Americans, and I th- I believe they have a duty to to make a seat for others, and I believe that they are. Yeah. We may not always agree, and I don't always agree with Obama's politics, but you also have to be mindful of the politics and the machine that he was fighting against. I think we all believe that individuals. I'm just going to say Bernie Sanders, right? We all believe that he'd be able to do more. But we also see that the political engine is mighty. And after spending four years with Trump, people are really willing to just say, we don't fuck with you. And we're going to censor you within our own party if you are not sharing our particular message. If you're failing our national, what is it, National Republican National Convention, the, the RNC, the DNC, yeah, the, yeah. These, commi- yeah. these, these committees, these groups, yeah, yeah. whatever this shit is called, you can obviously title pitches to it. The point is just saying, if you, if you, if you, you take a seat, you got to make a seat. And I do believe that there are a lot of us doing that. You don't always see that. You don't always mm. see that. I think one of the challenges, though, and this is what I'm going to face in Chicago. I'm a quote unquote L.A. dude, <laughs> even though I have spent 13 years on the East Coast. Right. Mm. And I'm going to spend the next 40, 50 years in the Midwest. Right. Mm. People don't know me here. They don't know what I'm about. And I'm coming here saying that I want to make this place my home. I want to be a part of this community. I'm going to want to see things in Chicago be better. But you know what I'm going to have to contend against? There's already folks here that have been trying to get it done. Right? And some of them have been successful. Some of them have not been. Right? And there's going to be a point where I'm going to move some mountains because I'm going to get in front of the right people. I'm going to say the things that I'm going to say. And as a result, I'm going to probably be uh, the face of a couple things. For me, that is not the intent for me to be the person in front. The intent for me is to do whatever needs to be done so that multiple voices now have visibility, now have a quote unquote, a seat at the table mm. because I've taken a seat. The process that it takes to get there, like for Jay-Z's, the Kanye's, like what you have to do to get there to even take a seat is enormous and no one would ever understand it unless you're there. Mm. And that's the hard part for people to understand. Like you don't, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and, what yeah. you, and what you have to realize is that you don't know a lot of shit. 
right? And so it's not anyone's responsibility to explain all their shit to you or for you to explain all your shit to them. But what you have to do, and Chris, is to your point, is understand the bigger picture. So instead of trying to tear down folks, like a Jay-Z or a Kanye or even me, as I'm going to try to do in Chicago, because there will be some folks that won't like me. 100%. Right? Because, I, because I haven't been here long enough, because I'm not from Chicago. Right? I don't know anything about Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't see the bigger picture that I am leveraging a platform that I have access to to create a platform for you. Because it's not about me. <laughs> it's about this city being the epitome of what the American dream is really actually supposed to be about. Mm. So I understand that piece. We tear each other down before we can even get to where we're trying to go. And as a result, none of us get to the promised land that we seek to reach. Yeah. I agree with that. I think along the way, even though I don't owe you the details of everything that I'm doing, it it behooves me to be able to articulate my vision to you Mm. and to articulate it in a fashion that helps you understand how you play a role in this. And I believe that's why King was successful. That's why... Fred Hampton was successful. That's why X was successful. That's why anybody in this yeah. movement has been successful. They were able to help other people see how they played a role. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue is the Jay-Z's of the world, the Kanye's of the world, the whoever they are of the world really understand their greatness, but not their ability to help other people see how they can be great too. <clears throat> I, Chris, I do. Because I, I, you have to be able to speak a broad, encompassing language to multiple people. You do. You think Fred was talking to the same type of person every day? Yes. It's literally, that's literally what the movie was about. He didn't change it up for nobody. He, no, no, he no, spoke, no, no. He spoke, to the, he spoke to the Chinese man the same way he spoke to the gay man, same way he spoke to the black man, same way he spoke to the white man. He no, 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 Chris, Chris, no, no, Chris, Chris, no, no, Chris. The vision was the same. How you move people towards your vision. And not everybody's motivated by the same thing. And it's hard to find a nexus of people who value the same thing. We all value different things. Yeah. But what the disconnect is, is that those values are in alignment toward a larger vision. That's why you call people visionaries because they can sell you on a vision and all the different parts of the vision and every role that you can play within those parts to get to the vision. That is the key. Yeah. That is the key. And what happens is there's people who are visionaries, but can't speak to all the pieces to get people in position to move collectively toward a vision. Yeah, you That's where most of us struggle. You described a luminary versus a visionary. A luminary is the light. A visionary can see the light. So here, I think we are going to be talking about six pounds versus, or, or six pounds six, versus- Six and one hand versus half a dozen and other. Half a dozen. I think we're actually about to end up in that same path because yeah. when you kick started this off, we were saying the exact same thing just in our own words. Yeah. So if I were to say, we didn't really get <laughs> back to the book ban in peace, but I actually really think the first five minutes is just how we felt. It's just like, yo man, this is, this is a white lash again. Yeah. However, all of these books actually need to exist. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so that then we can take our critical thinking, which apparently America is really good at. Because, you know, they say like in Chinese traditions is about memorization. That's why they're so smart because they remember everything. But in the United States and Western ideologies, we are critical thinkers. That's why we're so great. You ever heard that little yeah. spat? It's the right? difference between the SAT versus the ACT, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's first of all, it's a fucking fallacy and it's false because we are not critical thinkers because we're in the place that we are. But the point is... <laughs> all right, okay, here we go. I'm not going to let you do do on America, man. We're going to run in water. <laughs> Clean streets, crime's not that great, not, not that bad, man. I watched a video on World Star the other day. That's right, I still watch World Star. You want, you want to know why? It's only man, because we got to uh, North America first. That's, that's the only reason why we have the advantages that we have. And it's because the Indians traded their whole livelihood for beer. That's why. What are we talking about? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, I'm a little so bit I'll, tr- I'll give you, I'll give you beer. You give me your whole society. 
Trade. It's a deal. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That boxer Bud Light also had uh, an AK-47 and and, uh, two big knives with guns attached to them. For those who said no to the beer, they murdered them and took their land. Man, listen, man. You should. That's what I'm saying, man. You got to come with the sword. You gonna get down later and listen. I got these beer, and you. I got this beer. We could be friends. Oh, we can be enemies. What you trying to do? What you, what I get if we enemies? You gonna find out. I suggest you take the bid that's pulling this smallpox there, brother. I, 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 oh, 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 I see what you did to the sucks. Oh, oh, the Sioux Indians. Oh, I see what you did. Turkeys. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I see what you did. Blackfeet. I, you ever heard of a Blackfoot in here? I never did until I found out it was in my blood. That's what they did to them. They would thought they was, they thought it was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> they Blackfeet thought of the Blackfeet Indians thought it was sweet, bro. You, you could see the Cherokees. You could see the Sioux. You could see, you don't never heard. I never checked them with the chip on You can you can see them too. They must have took the beer. They was like, fuck it. <laughs> Black people interviews like we're gonna have we're gonna stand up right, my man. You got mixed up with the black people, bro. That's it. That's how you survive in blackness. You know what I'm saying? You see a little bit of blurry of black people. That's the blackfoot. That's it. And Chris, the only thing I want to say to emphasize my point was who was the one negotiating at the table? It was our indigenous family and our white family. What did our white family do? They posed to do, man. What you talking about? We we wouldn't be here. I mean, you know, this my this my this my my Charleston white bag. We wouldn't be here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You and I would not be here, bro. <laughs> you and, you know, and sometimes, Chris, I wonder if that would be right okay. You know, I think that could be right I'm okay. I'm chill. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Uh-huh. I'm chilling. Uh-huh. I'm chilling. I'm not trying to alienate people. You know what I'm saying? I hear your point. These are slow steps for um, a white supremacist society. These, these are the small steps that they're taking to, to, to regain, regain the ground that they feel like they're losing. Um, and I think it's unfortunate. Um, because I think it stands in a way of real prosperity. I do think those of us on the other side of this do need to see the bigger picture that, you know, it's not just that our books need visibility. It's about the lessons that we really want to communicate and the lessons that we really want to teach our youth and to actually empower them to be critical thinkers, to be able to parse out what is right and what is wrong from a mixed bag of history that we've all contributed to. Let them actually be the ones that think very clearly around how we take this mess that we've gotten ourselves into. How do we clean it up together? Yeah. Yeah. As as always, it's always Stiffworks, you know what I'm saying? We're brought to you by Stiffworks, um, a great branding consultancy, creative consultancy that you can contact online, which I own, operate, maintain. Um, head to <laughs> stiffworks.com, S-T-I-T-H-W-O-R-K-S.com and go ahead and check out your boy's portfolio. And um, if you need some work, I got that work for you because stuff works. And also brought to you, you know, I'll jump it in this time, a little remix for the folks, Velma Jean Studios. Mm-hmm. We work with venture capitalists, philanthropists, small business, for-profit and non-profit around for folks who are creating strategies mm-hmm. and trying to understand how to implement their strategies for their organizations and to measure the impact of those strategies so that that grand vision that you had for your organization is realized. Come over there and work with Velma Jean Studios. We are an impact design studio. We're black owned by no other than himself, your boy, Mike. Um, and we're excited to work with you. So head over to Velma-Gene.com and let's connect. That's the podcast. Wow. Appreciate you, babe. Appreciate you too, man.